If you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 17 through 20 this afternoon. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. And as you're turning there, I'll just say this. I never forget that time I was just a young boy, about six years old, and my Mother came home, and we were, I was, my, my mother was Baptist. We were, if there's anybody saved on both sides of my fa- family, they're Baptists for the most part. But then one fine day, my mother got baptized with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Her and my stepfather, and they came home, and they, I heard all about it. And they took, and they went, started going from a Baptist church, and started going to Grace Assembly of God in Syracuse, New York, which at that time, I don't know about now, but at that time was a truly Pentecostal church. And I had felt the presence of God. I tell you, just a young boy, I was introduced to the very presence of God. And I didn't know that much, but I knew this, that what these people had was real. That what these people had was real. And later on, about 10 years after that, when I was 16 years old, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit myself and called into the ministry. And the Lord showed me this over the years just through his word and through the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has just let me know this, that he didn't call me to be some six-foot icicle behind the pulpit. The Bible says he called his ministers to be flames of fire. Hallelujah. I said, flames of fire, full of the Holy Ghost, preaching the word of Almighty God. You could have stagnant water or you could have living water. I choose the living water. Hey, I choose the living water. Hallelujah. I want the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through my veins, brother. Mm. I want the word of God. That's what I want. I don't want the opinions of man. I want God's word. I want God's Word. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful. My Lord, I'm so thankful to just be able to minister before you today. And I was telling Brother Dave and Dave Borg before the service that I feel like I'm about to jump off a cliff. (laughs) Not in a bad way, but in a good way. The words, God's just opened this door, and I'm very thankful for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, if you're there, say amen. And Paul writing, he said, when I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? That just simply means, did I fluctuate in my mindset? Was I changing with my mindset? And he says, or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? That with me there should be a yes, yes, and a no, no. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. This afternoon I want to minister a message entitled, It's not yes and no, it's yes and amen. And I'll explain what that means as we go through this message. Father, we just come before you this afternoon in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your presence is here. And God, I'm asking you, Lord, for your anointing to minister, for clarity of thought and speech. And 
Lord, that your anointing would rest upon us to receive today. Lord, make the word real to us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord. We say it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In verses 17 and 18 of this passage that we've read today, what the Apostle Paul was saying is that his ministry, the direction that is that he took in ministry where he went to preach the gospel and go different parts of the world where he went, the direction of his ministry, it was not a yes and no type of ministry. He said it was not yes, yes, and no, no. In other words, it wasn't a, my ministry was not a constantly changing ministry. It wasn't this direction over here and and that direction. It was, Paul was not led by feeling. He was not led by circumstances. He was not led by the opinions of people. Whether they, if it, well, if they like me over here, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go to Rome because they like me. Or I'm going to go to Corinth because I, I think I can build a, you know, a solid base there and I, I, I think they'll like me over there. Or, or I'm going to go that direction or this direction over here or over there based on the opinion of people. Paul said, my ministry was not a yes and no, constantly changing type of ministry. Paul was not a man pleaser. Hello? He was not a man pleaser. And because Paul was not a man pleaser, his ministry was not yes and no. It wasn't constantly changing, totally inconsistent. But what Paul was saying in in these first Two verses, 17 and 18, is my ministry was not like that because Paul was not a man pleaser. It was not inconsistent. It was not always changing according to the whims of what people thought and said. You see, Paul was a God pleaser. And hear me today, if you're a man pleaser, if that's what your mindset is, just to please people, but you know, what's gonna, you know what your ministry is going to be like? Your ministry is going to be a yes and no type of ministry. Whatever people want, that's what you give them. And if they want one thing one month, then you're going to go that direction. And if they want one thing another month, well, you're going to go that direction. And over here, and you're, you're up and down, up and down, right to the left, and you're all over the place. Paul said, that's not what my ministry was all, was all about. You know, it's a sad resume, and I'm not being pessimistic today. It's just the reality. But the, the reality of it is this, is that the church today is really, it's in a yes and no type of place, type of condition. Whatever man wants, whatever the people want, ministers stand up behind the pulpit, and that's what they give the people. Whatever the people want. Whatever will keep the people in church, whatever will keep them putting money in the offering plate. Hear me today. If you're a man pleaser, your ministry is a yes and no type of ministry. You're back and forth, back and forth, up and down. You're all over the place. Inconsistent. Hear me today. There is no reason why a believer or a non-believer If they come to a church, there's no reason why a believer or non-believer should ever have to wonder. I wonder what change, what new way the preacher's going to present today. Hello? 
Maybe I'm preaching to the choir today. I I don't know. But there's there's never a reason why a believer or a non-believer should ever come to church and wonder what new system is the preacher going to give today? What new program is the pastor going to give today? this week or this month or, or this season uh, of, the, of the year. I, I wonder which one it's going to be this time. You know, I, I heard a minister some time ago. I was kind of going through the Internet, and, and I, I came across a minister. I don't, I don't know who it was. I, then I don't remember his name. I, I wouldn't re, wouldn't, couldn't tell if you told me. I don't remember his name or even where he was from. But he was preaching a message on the cross, and so I just clicked on it and wanted to hear what he had to say and what the brother had to say. He had some very good things, some biblical things to say about the cross that blessed me. Some very good, again, biblical things. But he made this comment that, uh, that, that intrigued me, and, and he said it like three times. And he made this comment. He said he was thankful that it was that time of the year that he could preach on the cross. It was the Easter season. It was around Easter but he was preaching on the cross, and he said he was thankful it was that time of the year that he could preach on the cross. And I, I heard that. He said it like three times, so I, I, was, I knew I wasn't just hearing things. And, well, hear me today, I, and I know you know this, but it's not just a season of the year that we lift up Christ and him crucified. It's not just because it's Easter time that you're going to hear so many messages on the blood of Christ or on Calvary. It's because it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. Every time of the year is the right time to talk about the blood. Hey! Every time of the year is the right time to lift up Jesus Christ and him crucified. Every time of the year. Because our victory is always the same. It's always through the blood. It's always through the cross. No matter what time of the year it is. And Paul would say, my ministry was not up and down. And it wasn't right to left. It wasn't all over the place. In fact, he said his ministry was in, it was yes, in Christ. (laughs) It was yes, in Christ. You know, we ought to be, we ought not to be yes and no according to the opinions of people, according to the next bestseller, according to what the the evangelists on television say. We shouldn't be going by the opinions of people. We should be going by the word of almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We should be yes people to the word, yes people to the Holy Spirit. If it's in the Word, then I say yes to it. If it's by the Spirit of God, then I say yes to it. Mm. I am a yes man. But I'm a yes man to the Word of God. I'm a yes man to the Holy Spirit. Hey! Be a yes man. Ladies, be a yes woman. Hallelujah. Don't be a yes and no all over the place. I mean, you don't know where you're coming. You don't know where you're at. You don't know what's going on. You're just every wind of doctrine, just all over the place. Don't be like that. Take your stand. Hey. 
Stand strong in the faith. Put your feet in the ground spiritually and stand in the faith. Be a yes man. Be a yes woman. I'm yes man to the Word. I'm a yes man to the Holy Spirit. Whatever he says, that's what I want. Mm. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. That's it. That's good for the young. That's good for the old. Hallelujah. Whatever he says, that's what I want right here. Whatever the Word of God says, that's what I want. Hallelujah. I'm a yes man, not a yes and no all over the place. But, you know, Paul, in those verses, he he said that his ministry was not a yes and no type of ministry. But then in verses 19 and 20, Paul goes on to really say that not only was his ministry and the direction of his ministry not an inconsistent ministry or inconsistent message or, or, or ministry that is direction of ministry, but he said that his message was not a yes and no message either. Yes and no, all over the place. Not only was his ministry not yes and no, but his message was not yes and no. His message was not inconsistent. Paul's message, he's saying. It wasn't back and forth, here or there, according to the opinions of man or just according to how he felt in a particular time or what other people, what, what some people wanted. That's not what his message was like. Get this, Paul's message was always the same. It was Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was that Jesus was the Son of God. He died upon the cross to save us from our sins. And he rose from the dead three days later to prove it. And we serve a living, risen Savior. Hey, Consistent. Everywhere Paul went, Jesus was always the Son of the living God. He was always God in the flesh. He was always the Son of God and the Son of Man. Everywhere he went, Jesus was always the same. It wasn't changing. Everywhere Paul went, his message was consistent. It was the same. It wasn't back and forth. It was the cross is the answer. The cross is the answer. He said it as Lauren preached this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, chapter 2, verse 2. He said, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. That was it. I got my message right there. Hallelujah. It's right there in the Word. I, I, I don't need to go on the internet to find a message. I got it right there in the Word. Hallelujah. I don't, need, I don't need to hear what somebody says. I don't need that. I got it right here in the Word. I got the one message, the one way. It wasn't a new way for a new day. It was one way for every day. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Everywhere Paul went, he preached Jesus. 
He preached the reality of who he was. He preached the reality of what he did at Calvary. He preached that he wasn't a dead Savior, but he was a living Savior. He's alive. He teaches. He, Jesus, saves. He heals. He baptizes with the Holy Ghost, and he's coming again. He stayed consistent. He said, my message was not all over the place. Unfortunately, in the church today, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic again, it's just a reality. But unfortunately, in the church today, the only consistent thing is that it's constantly changing. Hello? The only consistent thing is that it's constantly changing. One minister's got five steps. Come on now, we can be real. One minister's got five steps. Another's got seven steps. One minister's got six wisdom keys. And then next next month, he's going to have eight wisdom keys. Hello? One minister says, if you fast for three days, you'll have victory. The other minister says, if you fast for seven days, you'll have victory. Another minister says, you are, no, 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 you got to fast for 21 days if you want to have victory. And then the next minister comes along and says, no, they're all wrong. You got to fast for 40 days to have victory. The inconsistency of our message proves that we've wandered from the word. The inconsistency that's in the, in the church, that yes and no spirit, that inconsistent message is proof that we've wandered from the cross, that we've wandered from the power of the Holy Spirit, that we've wandered from the all-sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. We've wandered from that. And the church needs to come back to Calvary. It needs to come back to the Word of God. It needs to come back to the power of the Holy Spirit. It needs to come back to the old paths. That's what the Lord through Jeremiah said. He said, ask the Lord for the old paths and walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls. That's what the Word says right there. He said, ask the Lord for the old path. The old path is the way of righteousness. It's the same path that Abraham walked on. The old path is the same path that Jacob walked on, that Isaac walked on, that they are righteous by faith and not based on what they did. Mm, hallelujah. Righteousness by faith and not what, by faith in the coming Redeemer and not in what they did. That's the old path. And that's the path the church needs to come back to. And I know, I know I'm looking at some people. Bless the Lord who have come back to the old path. You know that word old path, what that means in Jeremiah 6 and verse 16? That word old path, it doesn't mean old-fashioned necessarily. We think that terminology, old path, well, that means what you, well, we got to go back to the 1930s. No. It doesn't mean we have to go back to the eight, well, what, if it means old-fashioned like that, then how old-fashioned do you get? Hello? Do we all start to start need to wearing bell-bottoms again or something? Or, or ladies having those old bumblebee haircuts? Is that, a, is that what we have to go back to? Hello? 
No, no. Some of you wish that would be. You like those old haircuts. Does it mean we have to wear all polyester again or we have to go back and, you know, no, 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 no. It doesn't mean old-fashioned in that way because the last time I checked, the year is 2014. Hello? But the old path means the well-traveled path. That's what it means. The well-traveled path. It's the path, again, that Abel walked on when he offered that lamb before the Lord. And he realized it's not by, it's not by my works. It's by the sacrifice of this lamb, Lord, that I come before you. That was the path that Abel walked on. It was the path that Noah walked on. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He lived by faith. It was the path that Enoch walked on. It was the path that Abraham, it was the path that Moses, it was the path that Daniel, it was the path that Isaiah, it was the path that every great patriarch of the Old and the New Testament walked on. Hallelujah. That path was the path of faith in Jesus, faith in the Messiah, faith in what he would do. And he did it at Calvary. That's the old path. Hallelujah. And he said, ask the Lord for the old paths and walk in it. And he said, you shall find rest for your soul. There's no reason to be a yes, to have a yes and no message. No reason to be all over the place. No reason to be inconsistent. No reason to preach five steps or three keys. No reason to preach all that. We have it right here. It's the Word. It's the Word. Hallelujah. Come on now. It's the Word. And this Word of God right here tells us there's one way, and that one way is Jesus. And that one way is through what he did for us at Calvary. He died to save us from our sin, not just to get us in the door, but to keep us in the house. The same way you got is the same way you stay in. The same way the Holy, Gear, Holy Spirit worked to begin your life is the same way he works right now. It's by grace through faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, Christ and him crucified. And Paul would say that, he would say, my message, again, was not a, it was not a yes and no type of message. It wasn't, it wasn't Christ and him crucified for some things, but then for other things, you need something else. For other things, you know, you know, Jesus is good for some things. He's good to save you, and the cross is good to save you, but now that you're saved, you need, you need Socrates. You need Plato, and you need Aristotle. And if you really want to grow in the Lord, if you really want to, you know, really want to mature in your spiritual journey, you need the wisdom, this wisdom here and that wisdom there. You know, I heard a, again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, it's just the reality, but I heard a message one time by a minister, and he was preaching on spiritual warfare. And I know this, that as a minister, God's people need to hear about spiritual warfare because we go through it. Hello? But as he was preaching on spiritual warfare, the emphasis in his teaching was upon the military strategies of Alexander the Great. 
the military strategies of Alexander the Great and how they apply to our life. And he said this, and he said this several times in just the short time that I had watched it. He said, unless you know the military strategies of Alexander the Great and you apply them to your life, he said, you will not walk in victory. Unless you know the military strategies, again, of Alexander the Great, you cannot walk in victory over the devil. You know what that is? That's baloney. (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs) I learned that word when I was a young boy in New York. That's baloney. That's not true. Because you and I do not need to know the military strategies of Alexander or anybody else outside of the Word of God to have victory. We just need to know what God has given us in His Word. And what God has given us in His Word is that the answer is Christ and His shed blood at Calvary. Hallelujah. It's not a constantly changing, not a constantly changing message. You know, in Galatians chapter 2, I know you probably read this before, but in Galatians chapter 2, that's that chapter where the apostle Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face. You ever read that before? He had to rebuke Peter to his face. The Bible tells us that really Antioch at that time, they were all gathering it, at least there was a large group in Antioch. Antioch at that time was the, was the Gentile headquarters for evangelism to the Gentile world. And God was moving there. I mean, in a great and mighty way. Paul and, and Barnabas had been there for quite some time, and they had been there for a year before Paul's first missionary journey. And after their first missionary journey, they came back to Antioch and gave the message of the cross. And the Antioch, this Gentile church, a thriving Gentile church, they understood the message of the cross. They had it. And they were walking in the liberty that the cross brings. The liberty that grace brings. Paul said that in Galatians chapter 5. He said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith you have in Christ Jesus. And in Antioch, they were experiencing that liberty. Liberty from the law. Liberty from legalism. Liberty from a system of do's and don'ts to be right with God and to have victory over sin. And the Bible said, Paul says that Peter and Barnabas and some other Jews were in Antioch and they were enjoying that liberty. And for us today, it's not a big deal. But for, for, for them, for Jews to be in a Gentile place, eating with Gentiles, Paul said. Eating with Gentiles. Again, for us, it's not a big deal, but for them, it was huge. And no doubt, Peter was enjoying, he was enjoying that ham sandwich. He was enjoying some barbecue pork ribs. Oh, he thought, my Lord, I never realized what I was missing. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I get to eat pork chops and, and fried shrimp. Oh, and don't you know Peter was enjoying eating with the Gentiles and just, and just enjoying the freedom that grace brings. 
And Paul said that in that atmosphere, Peter and the other Barnabas and other Jews that were saved, that were there in that Gentile environment, but again, the environment of the Lord, of, of grace, and enjoying that food. And as Peter was probably wiping off that barbecue sauce. All of a sudden, y'all are getting hungry right now, I can tell. Come on, so we're, we're, we're almost there. But as he's wiping off that barbecue sauce, so all of a sudden, some, some Jews, Paul said they were of the circumcision, those of the circumcision from Jerusalem, which means that they were, at worst, they were like the Judaizers, which were trying to replace grace and replace it with law completely, or they, at best, were mixing grace and law together trying to bring the old into the new, and they were still holding on to the old covenant. These are the circumcision, these Jews, and they walk into that church of Antioch, again, experiencing the liberty that grace brings. And as soon as Peter and Barnabas and the other Jews that were there saw that, Paul said they separated themselves from the Gentiles. They gave them the cold shoulder, and they only associated with those of the circumcision. And Paul, when he saw that, he said he realized that Peter was to be blamed. Peter was to be blamed. And the reason why is, is it really in that, when you read the whole passage, Paul would say later on that, that, that Peter and the others, that they knew better than to do that. So it wasn't like Peter was ignorant at that time of the message of the cross, it wasn't like he just did it ignorantly. But he did it, Paul said, because of the fear of the Jews, the fear of man. And Paul said he played the hypocrite. He separated himself from the Gentiles, only associated with the, those of the circumcision at that time. And Paul had to rebuke Peter publicly and tell Peter, Peter, we know better. You know better than that. We know this, and these Gentiles don't know any better, but we know this, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but man is justified by faith alone. Faith alone in Jesus and what he implied by that Jesus and he, what he did at Calvary. We know better than that, Peter. We're not justified by works, by law. We're not right in the eyes of God based on what we do. We are right in the eyes of God based on our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. Hallelujah. Today, understand that about yourself. You're not right in the eyes of God based on what you've done, based on what you're doing, or based on what you shall do. You are right now 100% righteous in the eyes of God just simply because you believe you believe in Jesus. You believe in what he did for you at Calvary. You believe that he died on the cross to save you from your sin. You believe that the answer is in his blood. And you believe that three days later, he rose from the dead to prove it. You believe that. You don't have to pray for an hour in the morning to be right with God. We do pray, but you don't have to pray to be right with God. You pray because you are right with God. Hallelujah. You don't, have to, you don't have to fast in order to be accepted by God or for, for, for God to give you his final approval. The check mark. 
That spiritual check mark, approved. Well, I just fasted for three days, seven days, 21 days. Now I have God's approval. Now God has to give me victory. He doesn't have to give us anything. And get this, Paul said this in Colossians 2, 6, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. That's not the way by works or by our doing. It's not the way God worked to begin with. And that's not the way his grace operates right now. It is by grace through faith in Christ and him crucified alone. And he said this, he said, my message was not a yes and no message. A ministry was not a yes and no ministry. It wasn't all over the place. It wasn't here. It wasn't one thing, one program this, this season and another program that season. It wasn't that. My ministry was always led by the Holy Spirit. My ministry was always according to the Word of God. My message was always lifting up Jesus, always lifting up what he did at Calvary, always proclaiming that he wasn't in the grave anymore, but he was alive from the dead. It was always proclaiming that, always, always. And today, the church needs to come back to Calvary. The cross, the message of the cross, not, not, a, not as some cliche, not if you can say it real loud or real quiet or not how, it's not a, the cross never should be a buzzword for us. It should never just be some cliche, I'm a, I'm a person of the cross, as if it's a part of some political party. No. The reason why we preach the cross is because, as Jesus said, the only way you can be set free is if you know the truth. He said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's not just creating buzzwords or cliches or catchphrases in the name of the cross. That's not it at all. It's about the truth, what will set people free. And preacher, the key to staying consistent is to stay at the cross. I said the key to staying consistent in your message is to stay there at Christ and him crucified. What he did there, stay there. Don't move away. That's the key. Hallelujah. I said that's the key. Christ and him crucified, his, his blood at Calvary, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Stay there at the cross. Stay at the blood. Oh, you'll preach on other things. You'll, you'll preach on Bible prophecy. You can preach on Ephesians chapter 5, which deals with the marriage relationship. Go ahead. Preach the whole counsel of God. Hello? It's not like you're going to preach just one thing, uh, you know, Romans 6, 7, and 8, over and over and over. You will, but get this. We got Genesis through Revelation. But get this. It doesn't matter if you're preaching from Genesis. It doesn't matter if you're preaching from Leviticus. It doesn't matter if you're preaching from the Song of Solomon. It doesn't matter if you're preaching from Philippians or the book of James even. Your message must always Always, always come back to Calvary. Mm. 
Be consistent. You know, I, a couple days ago, yesterday morning, actually, I was reading well, on my iPad. It's a news blip came up, and there was a, a report, and maybe you've heard about this, but a report that the U.S. intelligence has gotten recently about a, a meeting in Yemen that was done recently. I don't know how long ago it was, but just recently I think it was done. And at this meeting in the country of Yemen, in the Middle East there, there was a gathering of about 100 Muslim Al-Qaeda terrorists at this meeting. Not five, not ten, but 100 of them gathering together. The way that we understand, I understand the way that the U.S. found out about it was they, this group posted it on some websites, and that's how we found out about it, after the fact. But the, the, the crown prince of Al-Qaeda was there as Nasir al-Wasahari or something like that. And he was at this meeting and, and just preaching the normal Islamic terrorist type of message. And, but he was boldly proclaiming that, that America is going to be attacked again. Boldly proclaiming that. A meeting of you know, not five people in a, in a corner somewhere, but a hundred people together, saying that America, we are going to attack America again. But he said this, that struck me, because they have, they have gatherings all the time, and they talk that, that stuff all the time. But he said this, he said, we must eliminate the cross, and the bearer of the cross is America. That's what he said. This Muslim is terrorist meeting. We must eliminate the cross, and the bearer of the cross is America. Now, understand this, and I think you know this, that, that there are evil spirits at work in that religion. Evil spirits. There were evil spirits. At that meeting, whenever it was of 100 Al-Qaeda, these men, there were evil spirits in operation at that meeting. Satan was moving in that meeting through these men, through that religion. And get this, evil spirits and the devil know, they know that they are defeated through the cross. Hello. They know that they are defeated through the blood of Jesus. And their message was this, we must eliminate the cross. Not eliminate just God in general. Not even eliminate Jesus per se, of course it includes that. But he said eliminate the cross. And the bearer of the cross is America. You know what, even though the church in America is, is in many respects in a very terrible, is in a terrible condition. But you know what? God has still raised up this country, the United States of America, the, to be the main promoter of the message of the cross around the world. Hallelujah. And the devil hates this country not because of our government. The devil doesn't hate this country because of democracy. The devil hates this country because of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross, the blood of Jesus. 
that's going forth. Now get this. If the devil knows how he's defeated and what the answer is, then how come we as the church in general don't know? If he knows that he's defeated through the blood, then why don't we as the church preach the blood? Why don't we magnify the blood of Jesus? Why don't we preach the cross and not just preach it every once in a while, not just preach it during Easter, but preach it all the time, all through the year. Hallelujah. Hey, my God, preach the cross. Preach Jesus. Preach the blood. Preach the power of the Holy Spirit. Preach the word of God. Preach it. 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 Hallelujah. Preach it. Preach it. Preach the blood. Preach he was slain to save us from our sin. Preach he was slain to sanctify us. Preach he is coming back again. Lift up Jesus. Lift up the bloodstained banner. <coughs> Preach it. You know, prior to 1941, Franklin D. Roosevelt, the president of this country during that time, and the United States of America in general, our politicians, we had a yes and no position to Nazi Germany. We had a yes and no position to World War II and what was going on in Europe. We were, we, uh, the President Roosevelt was, was, he was holding a, a, a yes and no position. Yes, we're, yes, we're against the, the Nazis, and yes, we're against Japan, and, and yes, we're against what's happening there, but no, we're not going to get involved. That's what the position of their president, and that's what the position of many politicians was in this country prior to 1941. But in 1941, December of that year, that's when you know what happened. Pearl Harbor took place. And Japan declared war on this country. <clears throat> I think it was about six days later, Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler, declared war on the United States of America. And America was put in a position. President Roosevelt and our government was put in a position that we could not stand idle anymore. That our position could not be yes and no. Yeah, we'll, yeah, 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 we preach it for some things, but no, 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 we won't preach it for all. It was not a yes and no position they could take anymore. America's position had to be, we are all in. And we are in this thing to win it. Hallelujah. And by the grace of God, we won World War II. Hallelujah. And God used this country in a great and mighty way. But get this, America was put in that position because the enemy declared war on us. And we realized the importance of it. We had to do it. But hear me right now. The church, Satan, has declared war on the church. 
And it's time that the church wake up and realize we can't take a yes and no indifferent, inconsistent position anymore. We've got to rise up and preach the blood of Christ. Preach the cross. We've got to go on the offensive. Jesus said, on this church, I will build my, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's time we stop wavering back and forth between two opinions, God's Word, the cross, or the latest fan, psychology, the wisdom of the world the entertainment of the world, the blood of Christ Jesus or, or, or the, latest, the, latest, the latest music, the latest light show, the latest smoke, smoke and mirrors. We, we can't go, we can't do in between anymore. We've got to go all out. We've got to be all in with Jesus, all into his word, all into the cross. Because the devil's declared war on us, it's the time we declare war on him through the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. And Paul closed out this passage that we read in verse 20. And I'll read it again. And he said this. He said, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen unto unto the glory of God by us. He said the ministry was not yes and no. The message was not yes and no, meaning it wasn't, it wasn't even for, it wasn't for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. His promises were not yes to some people and no to others according to what they could do. But he said all the promises of God are in him, yes. And in Christ they are amen. That means Jew, Gentile. It means everybody in any generation, no matter what status of society that you find yourself in, if you believe, if you believe in Christ and what he did for you at Calvary, then God's promise for you is yes in Christ. You need victory? God says yes. You need peace? God says yes. The singers, musicians can come back. You need victory over depression? You need victory over oppression? God's answer is in Christ. And if you trust in Christ, if you rest in him and his work, God says yes to you. And it is a resounding yes. Not a faint-hearted yes, not a half yes, not a maybe but a resounding yes. You need help? And you believe? You believe in Christ, what he did? And here it is. My answer for you is yes. Not yes and no, but yes all the way. Mm, All the way. Yes. 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 Not a partial, not a partial cross. Not, not grace and law, because a partial, partial message will bring, or, or partial truth will bring partial victory. 
but an all-the-way message. Here it is. It's all found in Jesus and his work, his performance at the cross. If you believe, then the answer is yes. Is yes. Victory over sin? Yes. Peace? A sound mind you need? You need to be delivered from hatred and unforgiveness? Well, your victory, that forgiveness, that, 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 that soothing for your soul, it's found in Christ. It's found in him. It's found in his work. God's answer is yes. And he said, not only is it yes, but he said this. It's yes and it's amen. You know what amen means? Amen means so be it. It means it's the truth. That's it. That's it. Amen has been described before as amen is like the, it's like the exclamation point on the end of a sentence. And that's what Christ is. He's the amen. He's the beginning of a sentence. He's the middle. And he's the end. And he's the exclamation point. He's the amen. He's the so be it. Hallelujah. Meaning that if you anchor yourself in Christ, if you anchor yourself in God's word and what he did at Calvary, then you know what? You don't have to go anywhere else. You really, you don't have to go anywhere else. You have found, you have found the yes and you have found the amen. And when, I, when, you know, and, when, and when God says amen, it means it's done. <laughs> it's finished. Hallelujah. You don't have to look for another. You don't have to try to invent more steps because God already gave you the step. It's the same step you took when you first got saved. You said yes to Jesus. You believe in what he did for you at Calvary. And you took that one step. And God says, if you need victory, just take that same step by grace through faith in what he did for your Calvary. It's not by your works, it's by what he did. That's it, that's what you need. Just keep walking in that. 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 Stand to your feet if you would, please. Oh, Father, we thank you today that you are not a yes and no God. You are not an ever-changing God, but Lord, you are the God that never changes. Jesus, you are not a yes and no Jesus. And Jesus, your work at Calvary, we thank you. It's not a yes and no work. It's not an ever-always-changing work, but it's a always the same work that never changes. And God, we thank you for that today. And Lord, we pray that, God, your truth would just be cemented in our spirit, cemented in our soul, and strengthen us, Lord, today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can you just say his name for a moment? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. These altars are open. Why don't we come and just spend some time at this altar today just seeking the face of God? Come on.